favor of God is surrounding me like a shield. I am the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm an overcomer in Christ. How many of you believe that? That's awesome. Well, today, I'm going to, we're talking about having a culture of miracles. Praise God. Did you write that, Casey? So, the deal about miracles following us? Yeah, well, I could, that was amazing. So, give that, that's, hallelujah. Well, we're blessed. I almost ought to just let her sing that more and just sit down. But anyway, no, I've got something good to say. So, we, we believe in having, having a culture of miracles. Just last week, Josh had this word of knowledge about this lady's Achilles, and she came down here. She couldn't hardly walk, and they had a cane, and she let, gave the cane to Josh and walked out. Hallelujah. So, so, you know, God's good. Amen. And Jesus loves us, and, and miracles are real, and, and hallelujah. Um, so, in the context of all that, though, there's always this question, which is, why isn't everyone healed? And I like to add to that, yes. Because I believe we're always pressing towards the, the mark, right? And sometimes people, and, and you know, and it's like, well, but, but pastor, sometimes people die. And, and I understand that. Probably, probably nobody in here understands that better than me. I've sat with people on their, on their deathbed and stuff and prayed for them. And I've seen people delivered. And I've also seen uh, people not delivered. But where are they now? Well, they're in heaven. So, did, so they won. Amen? So we're always on the way to, on the way to victory. But Jesus, Jesus died, and he wants us to have a lot of victory down here. But the question is, why isn't everybody healed yet? Which is a good question. And I don't think I've ever actually taught about this before. The reason I haven't taught about it is, to be honest, I don't actually like teaching about it very much. For a couple reasons. One is... I'd, I'd much rather focus on the one reason that something will work rather than the 20 or however many that it won't. And I think, I think sometimes in our effort to answer all the questions, we can inadvertently create unbelief. When you talk about some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, you can, you can get people, people's eyes on all the hang-ups and you can start to think, wow, this is really hard. Anybody ever gone and done like street evangelism or something like that? If you go do that with the attitude, this is really hard, nobody's going to receive me, everybody's going to be mad at me. If you go into it with that attitude, often that's what happens. But if you go into it with the attitude, people want the gospel. Jesus loves people. It's easy ground. If you go into it with that way of thinking, often that's what you'll experience. Now, there's obviously uh, aberrations and stuff, but, but what you expect is a big part of what you receive. Therefore, we want you to expect that it's easy to receive healing, because it is. They might say, well, that's not my testimony. Well, I understand that. That's why we're teaching this, this deal here, okay? But we don't want to take our eyes off the, the main reality. 
which is that Jesus died for us and he loves us. And, and it, I always tell people it's easy to hear God's voice. Everybody say this with me. It's easy to hear God. You might say, well, it's hard for me. Well, change your confession. Kids can hear God. We can hear God. It's easy, all right? So that's reason number one that I have concerns about teaching about this. And the other reason I don't like teaching about it is this, this, this driving need people have to, to create formulas in order to assuage our anxiety about mystery. And I'll explain that more. Um, but, but despite, despite my sort of reticence to talk about this stuff, this is an important issue. It's a real-life question, and we don't want to shy away from it. I'm not afraid of the question, but it's a difficult one, and it's not just a theological one. It's a personal one because it affects real people. When I think of this question, I think about the Scripture, but I also think about people, lots of stories, lots of faces, people that I've prayed for and and. Uh, things that I've seen happen and things that I haven't. The, the guy that I believe that knows as much or more about divine healing on the planet right now is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Randy Clark. Randy is uh, the founder and, and head of this ministry called Global Awakening. You can check it out at globalawakening.com. The major thrust of his ministry is he travels around and and prays for the sick and does all kinds of things. He travels the whole, the whole earth and is a revivalist, basically. Um, he's a unique person because he has a ton of experience praying for the sick, but he combines that with good theology and, and, and sound academics, which is not always, you know, the case. Some, some people, I love, I love some people that are really good at praying for the sick, but often their, their theology is whacked out. And, and uh, Randy is not that way. And not only that, but he did his doctoral dissertation about the effects of prayer on uh, sickness and a particular type of sickness. And so he studied this stuff in an academic way, in a scriptural way. And I, I think he's got a lot of revelation about it. He's written about it extensively. When people ask Randy, why isn't everybody healed yet? His answer is this, I don't know. It's my opinion that the humility of that answer is why he sees so many people healed. When I was younger, I hated that answer. I thought that it was a cop-out, and I thought in some respect that maybe it was even cowardly. And maybe it is if you're somebody that never prays for the sick, but you can't accuse Randy of that. I used to understand everything about healing until I'd prayed for several thousand people. Just like I knew everything there was about church planting before I planted a church. <laughs> Theology is never meant to be created in a vacuum where, where it's not tied to real life experience. Theology can't bow to experience. But it's informed by experience. You can actually see this in Acts 15 when they're trying to figure out um, 
whether or not the Gentiles have to follow the law and really whether or not the Gentiles can be saved, they start out by examining Peter and Paul's experiences. And Peter says, well, I went to Cornelius' house and I prayed for all these people and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And Paul said, well, I've traveled around. All these people have been born again. And they think, well, the Gentiles must be able to be saved. And then, and then James says, you know what, you're right. And the scripture agrees with that. And then he quotes Amos. So there's this, there's this union between theology and experience. And um, anyway, so I, I think now that often when we're faced with, with specific questions about why healing hasn't occurred, the best answer is the humble one, which is, I don't necessarily know. And James 4, 6 says that God gives grace to the humble. Now, I want to stress, when Randy says that, he doesn't mean, I don't know, you know, maybe God wants him to be sick or some, some that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, we know God loves him, we know God wants him to be well, um, but, but healing is a complex issue. The, the doctrine is simple, but the way it plays out, there's a lot of factors and some things we just don't understand yet. There's some mystery in life. Is that okay with everybody? That's a real answer. It's not the answer we want, but it's a good one. Say, why, Pastor, why is that so important? Well, because God is not a principle or a force. He's not. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. Love, by its definition, is relational. That statement presupposes that God has always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In, et in eternity past, the Father loved the Son, Son loved the Spirit, Spirit loved the Father. Pursuit of God, then, is about pursuit of a person, not about the pursuit of a principle or a formula. If I'm, if I'm trying to solve the equation of life rather than get to know the answer to life, I'm missing the point of Christianity. I, I have concerns about this because there seems to be in recent years a, a bit of a resurgence in the secular wor world of, of the belief in the Bible as a source of wisdom which I'm, you know, I'm thankful that we want to look at the Bible and believe that it's, a, that it's a source of wisdom. But do you understand there's a difference between looking at this and thinking, well, there's principles in here that I can use to make my life successful. That's fine, but there's a major difference between that and looking at this and saying, this is how I can have a relationship with my father. It's a major, major difference. You can live by Christian principles and not be a Christian. Moreover, the reason that mystery is important in life is that romance arises from the realm of mystery. The moment you believe that you have your spouse all figured out and that you, you quit valuing who they are on the inside and believing that there's something deeply majestic about them because they were created in the image of God, the moment that you stop being fascinated by your spouse, 
is the moment you stop, you, you begin to stop loving. It really is. Similarly, if you believe in your head that you've solved the equation of God, you'll, you, you'll fall out of love because you'll reduce everything to a mechanical transaction and you'll be pursuing a formula. You'll be pursuing answers instead of the answer. Everybody okay? Somebody nod at me. I know it's a little bit of a heavy word, okay? But it's a good one. We want to love Jesus. We want to pursue Jesus. And look, I want to know the answers to all this stuff. But I also want to be okay with not knowing some of them. I used to need all the answers to make me feel safe. And I was trying to create theology so I would feel safe. I no longer need to do that because I feel safe because I know him. And I have, I have zero question in my, in my heart about his character, his nature. I know he's good. I know he wants good. I never question that. It doesn't matter what's going on in life. It doesn't matter what we see, what we don't see. I don't, I don't question his will. I don't question his goodness. I'm safe in that. But as to why all this stuff, well, I mean, it's confusing. So I, I make all those points simply to say that divine healing while it is, and I stress this, it is governed by various principles, it's not meant to be seen as merely a mechanical transaction. Healing is about finding your place in the divine love triangle, triangle, not about solving some equation. And I'm preaching to myself here because I, I grew up with a lot of teaching about this, and I had this formula in my head. It was like, you know, if you're praying for somebody, it's like your faith minus your unbelief plus their faith plus a couple bonus points if there's a word of knowledge minus something if there's sin, you know. And so, so I thought there's this big equation and then you just put all the variables, you figure out all the variables and then bada bing, bada boom, the universe is solved. Even if there was a divine equation, I'm pretty sure that your brain isn't strong enough to figure it out. And moreover, that's pursuing this formula, not pursuing him. Everybody okay? If you have notes, you can turn to the back page. The concern I have about teaching these, these principles, which I'm going to do <laughs> in just a second, is that people will often, and, and so... What, what tends to happen in this kind of teaching that I'm doing is, is we'll go to like a scripture and we'll say, here's an example of why somebody wasn't healed in the Bible. Who's heard a teaching like that? Okay. I have no problem with that teaching. What I have a problem with is, is often people will only listen to like one of those and then they'll assume that they understand everything. And that's like, well, that was the, that's the reason right there. And then they create a formula that says this, this now applies in every circumstance. And that, that doesn't work. It might work in some circumstances, but not in all. And if you, try to, if you make assumptions, you can damage people. Let me come at it this way. How many of you know somebody that's not born again that you would like to see born again? Okay. 
Why are they not born again? So the easy answer is, well, they haven't put faith in Jesus. Yeah, but why? It's not an easy answer, is it? It's as varied as there are people. For me to assume I know why somebody hasn't put faith in Jesus is, is presumption. It's to assume that I know their whole backstory. It's to assume that I know what all their hang-ups are. And, and I don't want to do that to people. Is that okay? Similarly, if, if there's somebody that's struggling to receive healing, assuming that I know the reason is pride. It's a strong statement, but it's true. And you say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because I used to be a prideful prayer minister, and I've known lots of prideful prayer ministers. And so I've repented. Because I, don't, I, I barely know what's going on in my own heart, let alone somebody else's. This problem where we take principles and we turn them into laws uh, so, again, a principle applies in a certain context. A law applies universally. Everybody with me? Proverbs has a whole bunch of universal laws. Like, work hard, good stuff will happen. How many of you love the book of Proverbs? Proverbs is awesome. If, if, even if you're not a Christian, if, you, if you're in here and you're like, I don't know if I believe any of the stuff you're saying. Look, go to the book of Proverbs. And just do some of the stuff it says. You'll be blessed. Your life will be successful. These are statements that are truisms. Or they're, they're axioms, if you will. They're, they're statements about how the way, the way the world works. I love that. But not every statement in the Bible is that. I'll give you an example. Jesus made this statement. Many are called, but few are chosen. How many of you have heard that? Many are called, few are chosen. When he said that, it was a principle that was applying specifically to the time period he was in where he was talking to the Jewish nation. And he was saying, many of you, all of you, have been called to this wedding feast, but few of you are coming. Few of you are chosen. There's not very many people that, that were Jews initially. I mean, there were a lot, but, but there were many people, especially the Jewish leadership, that didn't come and accept Jesus when Jesus was alive. But that principle, really, it was meant to, it, it was a parable about what was going on with the Jews. There's, there's no need to take that and create some sort of theology that says that applies to all of life. And people have done this, and it's caused great damage, and there's people going with, with tremendous anxiety. Well, I hope I'm one of the chosen. How do you get chosen? And people create, build crazy theologies on the backside of this. I've heard people say some nonsense about, well, you know, you could, you could be a Christian, but you might not be part of the bride. It's like, what's that mean? Well, you know, it means Jesus might rapture some people, but not you. This is where a lot of, actually, and that's not very serious theology. That's, that's pop theology. But, but some serious theologians looked at that statement, and they said, well, you know, there's a whole bunch of people on the planet, but God only chose some people to go to heaven, and so the rest of us are screwed. It's, it's crazy. 
What is it? It's taking a principle and making it universal. Everybody following me? Well, what are some principles that, that govern healing? I've never given you this list. I'm giving you this list because two and a half years in, I trust you. But I'm doing it with some degree of trepidation. So, do you get to take this list and assume you know what's wrong with everybody? No. no. Do you get to apply any of these universally? No. no. The reason I've given you, I don't know how many, there's probably about 20 things on here. This is the largest list I've ever seen personally of things that can hinder healing. Since I created this list, I've thought of some more. The reason I don't like to give you this list is you can look at it and you'll be like, wow, how's anybody get healed? It's like when I, you know, planted a church, you don't want to read all the literature about church planting because it's like all these reasons it's going to fail. You know, I can't look at that. I got to look at the, the, you know, at the one reason it's going to work. But it does help to know some of these things because it can answer some questions and, you know, potentially it could get, help you to get breakthrough, although I'll caution you about that as well. So real quickly, what are some things that are scriptural that can hinder healing? The Bible is really clear. Unbelief can hinder it. When, when the, the, you know, the disciples are trying to cast out this demon and it's not working and, and Jesus says, you know, it's because of your unbelief. All right. Does that mean that every time the demon won't come out that it's, that it's because of somebody's unbelief? No. It could mean that, but, but we don't know. It's a principle. Then in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, he says, when you stand praying, forgive. He's talking about praying for, you know, breakthrough. Forgive. Unforgiveness can hinder healing. can hinder a lot of stuff, actually. So sometimes when I pray for people, I'll say, do you need to forgive anybody? But I have no assumption in my heart that, that they need to, unless God tells me or something. And I really try not to ask that question unless I feel prompted or unless, you know, unless we're just really going after it. And they're like, you know, go through the whole process. But I'm like, well, okay, do you need to forgive anybody? And I've seen sometimes it's like we're praying, nothing's happening. Do you need to forgive anybody? Yes. Okay, well, let's forgive them. Then I pray for them, then they get healed. A lot of times the person they need to forgive is themselves. I've seen that a lot. But I have no assumption in my heart that, you know, sometimes people create these formulas and they're like, well, if you've got this disease, it's because you got you got unforgiveness. You got this disease, it's because you got bitterness. Or, no. All right, this isn't, this isn't a math problem. It's not science. We aren't doctors. All right, it's relationship. It's intimacy with God. Dishonor can keep people from being healed. Uh, Jesus couldn't heal very many people in his hometown. Um, in my opinion, it's because they, they didn't see him as the Messiah, so they wouldn't bring people to him. I don't think he prayed for people and then they didn't get healed. I think he didn't get to pray for very many. But that's just my opinion. Um, pride can keep you from receiving. Like, like for example, if you, won't, if, you, if you won't ever let anybody pray for you. Now, some faith people don't like that because they're like, well, I ought to just receive. Well, I'm with you. Just receive. But, I mean, if it's not working, then, you know, have somebody pray for you. Humble yourself. Now, this one we really don't like. But your diet, <laughs> what, you put, what you put in your body matters. It does. And exercise can matter. 
1 Timothy 4.8 says bodily exercise profits little. It doesn't say it profits nothing. I'm just being real. So, so, you know, there's things we can change in our diet. We can exercise. And it, can, it can help us. My wife's a physical therapist. A lot of what she does is get people to exercise, move their body in different ways, and strengthen muscles. It's amazing how much that stuff can help people. You're not just a spirit. You have a body. So taking care of that thing is, is healthy. Now, now, don't condemn yourself. Does condemning yourself help? No. So remember, with any of these things, so the other thing you're not allowed to do is look at this list and feel bad. It's like, oh, I'm doing 20 things on the list. No. That's why I don't like teaching this. Look at Jesus, not the list. I'm just trying to help you understand the question. Okay? Hallelujah. Demons can hinder healing. Sometimes you've got to cast the devil out of people. The, de the devil's real. Legalism, boy, something, something will hinder healing. It's legalism. Galatians 3, 5 says, you know, who is he that worketh miracles among you? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How's the miracle going to happen? By you through your self-effort doing a bunch of stuff, doing a bunch of rituals, trying to earn stuff, trying to impress God, trying to impress somebody else? Or is it just simple faith in Jesus? You want, to have a, you want to have an environment devoid of miracles, just preach a bunch of legalism. Because people start to feel disqualified. God has not had anybody qualified working for him yet. That's what Andrew Womack always says. If anybody's qualified, it's Andrew. He's never even said a cuss word. But it's not because he's never said a cuss word. It's, it's because of faith. Feelings of shame and unworthiness. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as you think in your heart, so are you. If your heart says, I deserve to be punished, I deserve to be sick, I deserve to suffer, your heart will poison you. It will. Bad doctrine can hinder you. You know, if you think God's mad at you or something, or, or you know, sometimes people ask, well, why doesn't healing happen in, in like a lot of these you know, parts of Christianity. Well, because they tell people that, that miracles died or they ceased with the apostles. If you say that, well, then, then nobody's ever going to pray for anybody. Yeah, not, not in faith anyway. <laughs> uh, fear of man can hinder you. Emotional pain, Proverbs 17, 22 says that, that a broken spirit dries the bones. There's a bunch of other things on there. Um, we're a grace church. And so God's never mad at you, but Hebrews 3.13 says, says, don't be hardened through the, the deceitfulness of sin. Sin does not harden God's hard, heart towards you. Sin does not affect God's willingness to help you or heal you or whatever. God's forgiven all of your sin. Who does sin affect? Me. Sin can harden my heart towards God, which can make it harder to receive. Why? Well, a lot of times it's because, it's because of the guilt associated with it. This is why you can go out and pray for somebody on the street, and they're not a Christian, and they can get healed, even though they might be living in sin. Why is that? Because they don't have any guilt associated with it because they're not a Christian. They don't know it's wrong. 
that deserves a better amen. Yeah. So, so why do you preach so much grace, Pastor? Because I want people to quit being condemned so that you can, you can experience all that God has for you. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor. Hallelujah. I'm encouraged. You're so encouraging, Pastor. All right. Speaking negative words can hinder healing. So look at this verse. I read this the other night. I, got, I don't have it memorized. Psalm 109, 18. Did I put that? I didn't put it up there. Let's turn to it. Psalm 109. I told Larry I wasn't going to do it, but it's a good verse. Psalm 109. He got, he got it up there. Okay. He clothed himself with cursing like a garment, and so let it come into his bowels like water, like oil into his bones. Boy, that's a distressing verse. That says if you put cursing on like a garment, it's going to go into your physical body. It's dangerous what you say out of your mouth. Don't be a legalist about it, and do not be the confession police. We don't need the confession police at church. We don't need the grace police either. But, but you police yourself and look at your own mouth and think, boy, am I saying a bunch of curses? Am I cursing myself? Am I, am I speaking a bunch of negative stuff? Now, now, don't take this so far that you, some people get nutty with this and they're like, won't ever tell anybody what's wrong with them. That's not good. How can I pray with you if I don't know there's a problem? So you can tell me if there's a problem, but just don't go around speaking it like 24-7. It'll go into your bones and hurt you. Okay, verse 7. Is this a comprehensive list? No. Nor should it be used as a checklist to try to discern what's wrong with you or somebody else. It's merely meant to demonstrate that healing, though simple in doctrine, plays out to the complexities of life. Okay. So I personally have spent a lot of hours just praying with people and, and, you know, a lot of times people come to me and they're like, what's the hang up? And so we'll try to figure it out and we'll pray and I'll go through, sometimes I'll go through some things. Maybe you need to forgive somebody and, and, and whatever and so we can go through a kind of a process. But to be totally honest with you, while that does avail to some degree, I don't, I don't know that it's that effective. Because what it ends up being is a bunch of introspection and looking for the answer in my flesh instead of looking for the answer in him. Here's what I would advise you to do instead. Everybody ready? Look at 1 Corinthians 4. I stole this straight from Pastor Greg Moore. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. Oh, it should, be, it should be verse 5. I wrote it wrong. I'm sorry. Verse 5 says this. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. What's that mean? In this context, it means, it means don't be too quick to try to solve the equation of life and try to judge what's the problem. Instead, ask God and wait until he comes. Now, I'm not saying he comes back. I'm saying when he, when he, how many of you understand he comes to you and he speaks to you? Yeah. 
So he's here in the time, and he's, it's more of saying he comes out. So, so don't, don't judge too hastily. Don't assume you know the answer. Hallelujah. What's Randy say? I don't know. Because unless God tells me, I mean, it's hard to know. So don't judge before the time until the Lord comes, and then he'll, he'll make manifest the counsel of your heart. He'll let you know what's going on in there. If there's something you need to change in your heart, he'll tell you about it. If there's something external that you need to do, he'll tell you about that too. Is that true? So you can trust him and you, and, you, and you seek an answer. So when I've been praying with people, I get the best results if I'll do this and we try to just pray. And if they get a word of knowledge or if I get a word of knowledge and we get some clarity from God, then that's often when, when a breakthrough comes. So in my opinion, that's better than trying to look at a list and, and pursue a formula. But I gave you the list because I love you and because I trust you. So nobody, nobody abuse the list. Everybody okay? That'll probably be the only time I give it to you. So you guys are lucky because you came out. You can tell people we got something special. No, but, but I do want to make um, one last point here, just one last practical piece of advice. If you're, if you're pressing towards a breakthrough and, and it seems like there's a lot of headwind, there's a lot of resistance, and it's frustrating. Anybody ever been there? Sailors know that when you face headwind, what you can do, you can still make progress towards your goal. You just have to learn to tack, which is that you move at angles towards the goal. And you can, you can, you can catch the wind. I, I, I did this on our 10th anniversary. Molly and I went to Jamaica, and they let me sail this sailboat around this island. I had to not look at the island because there's a bunch of nudists on there. But, but anyway, so we went. We went. <laughs> had to keep my sanctification. But anyway, we, we went, sailed around this island, right? And, and you can catch the wind, and you can go any direction regardless of what way the wind's blowing. But if you're going upwind, if you're facing a lot of headwind, you've got to zig and zag back and forth. What's, what's that mean? Sometimes, sometimes straining towards a goal makes it harder to get there. It's like if you're trying to get a word of knowledge, I tell people, don't, don't be like, word of knowledge. <laughs> what you want to do is, is put on some worship music and, and focus on, on something else. Focus on him. Move at, a, move at an angle, and you'll get closer to the goal. That's good advice. Practically, what's that mean, Pastor? Well, if, I, if my goal is healing and, I, and I'm having a lot of headwind, I'm having resistance, and it's discouraging me, and I'm, and I'm feeling like I don't want to pursue it anymore, well, well, you can still make progress by pursuing something else that's still in God. So pursue knowledge of, of, of His holiness. Pursue knowledge of something. Pursue knowledge of God and finances. Pursue, you know, how to be a better evangelist. I, I don't know. Keep, keep pursuing God, and as you get closer to God, you're also getting closer to that goal. That's pretty good advice. It's, now, I mean, sometimes you've got to just charge hard at the thing. That's a principle. 
Everybody say principle. Is that a law? No. Pastor, how do I know what principle to use at the right time? That's where relationship with God comes in. As your pastor, I get to tell you principles, but then that you got the Holy Ghost to tell you when to apply them. Okay. Everybody all right? All right. Well, Jesus loves you. This is a house of breakthrough. Take your eyes off that list. Think about the one reason it'll work. The reason it works is Jesus died for you. And I've seen people healed that don't believe nothing. <laughs> Josh has too. Josh, Josh went into this prison and prayed for these people that are cessationists and they got healed. So, so <laughs> just focus on why it will work, all right? And, and, but, but if you have questions, you can, you can ask God and you can look at the list or whatever. All right, let's all stand up. I hope that was all right. If my prayer team could come down here, I'm going to pray for everybody. Jesus loves you. We love you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're a healer, that you're a good God. And Lord, we just commit to pursuing you and not pursuing just, just a bunch of formulas and all this. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're beautiful and you're good and that you always want good for us. And so we just receive every good thing that you have, not by our works, but by your grace. And in Jesus' name, amen.